Welcome to another episode of Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank R. Curry. And we come at you Mondays, Fridays, stuff like that. Does that mean we're recording Christmas Eve? Like a bunch Ooh. of dummies. Probably <laughs> not. I mean, probably not. Well. What do you have going on on Christmas Eve? Work. Oh. Unless you want to do it later. I mean, I don't care personally. All right, then we're we're recording on Christmas Eve. Then better than trying to shop on Christmas Eve. Uh, that is true. So, that is so very true. You don't know how true that is, Frank. I know how true that is. As a matter of fact, yes, this is the Leftovers podcast. We talk about sports, but I'm definitely going into a Christmas thing, Christmas shopping horror stories right here. I am that guy that does not have everything taken care of by Christmas Eve. Same. I am that guy every year. Same. As a matter of fact, this year might be my best year because I've actually gotten things, I've gotten some people taken care of. I can't say same to that. You're an idiot. <laughs> I know. And you work Christmas Eve, so you're double stupid. And I work Christmas Day. Triple O. I'm not getting into that. Okay. Anyway. Also, tell me when I've had time, when I had time to go. Because I haven't. Overnights are a thing. I want to sleep. Then that you're just making a decision then. You're just being selfish, picking your sleep over other people's Christmas gifts. Yeah, you're being selfish. That's my take. Is that your take? But would you not do the same thing? I can neither confirm nor deny this. <laughs> but. So we talk sports here. But. That said, shopping on Christmas Eve is always hell because I am that guy. And I'm hoping I don't have to do that again this year. Because it's literally me every year and I hate having to deal with shopping with people. To be fair, I did do a little bit of Christmas shopping yesterday. See, then you just lied. But it's still very late. Yes, but it's not Christmas Eve. Oh yeah, I I haven't done everything. I did little. I I I got a couple of things done. Yeah. I got a lot I got I actually got a decent amount done, but guess what? That's early for me. <laughs> <laughs> that said, any Christmas shopping is hell. You shouldn't have to do it ever. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Christmas, they play a lot of basketball games on Christmas Day. Yeah. Fun fact. It's the poorest transition I'll ever make. Yeah. But I would like to see the Sabres get a couple of wins here. Washington tonight. I'd like to see one because you're facing two of the hotter teams in the NHL in Washington and the Ducks this weekend. So, you know what? Give me a win. I'll take one out of two here. You you saw Washington last week. Now you're back at it again. In what Weird was a in the very, schedule. very entertaining yeah. game. Likely. Yeah, Washington fans good. are done with the Sabres after – this game. Unless we meet them in the playoffs. Which Maybe. is actually very realistic. Very possible. But, you know, people are worrying about standings watching at this point, and I'm not as concerned. You want to know why? I still think the Sabres, the way that they play, is a playoff team. Yeah. And, again, I know I'm getting but cocky people, saying that. But, but I think – at. Similar to what we were talking about on Monday, it's a it's about now people are standing standings watching because they want a certain matchup. 
Well, people are also worrying about like Detroit or Florida, and I'm not because those two teams got themselves a little too far behind the count. Yeah. To start the season, if the Sabers keep this up, they should be a team that rolls into the playoffs if they play the way that they have, even with their flaws. It's not much of a problem for me there. I think that you know they could Colorado their way into the playoffs with a one-line team and some decent goaltending. Yeah, that's what they are. Yeah, yeah, but they're also getting contributions from their blue line more so than their other forwards, which is kind of strange, but. It's also fun to see. But my biggest thing is always going to be, can you keep it up? And I think the Sabres can. So I don't have to worry about standings watching. I just have to worry about them playing their games. Yeah. Collect points. Keep going. Keep storing them away. This is how you This is how you get in, by winning games that are going to be tough. And well, they've been doing this how often now? Mm-hmm. They got, what, three out of four with Washington and Boston. And then L.A., Arizona, yeah. Like three out of the last four. Yep. Yeah, and then you lose to Florida because for some reason they're such a strange boogeyman. I will never Things understand happen. that. Things happen. But let me talk about something real quick then. About that Florida game. Real quick though. There's still four points in right now. On the it, Atlantic seed, right? Overall. Because you have Boston who's fourth in the Atlantic right now and owns the first wild card spot, who's three points behind Buffalo. Montreal is the second wild card and fifth in the Atlantic, four points behind. And then the next, the first team that's out right now is the Islanders at 38. So you're sitting comfort. You're sitting a bit comfortably. You Obviously, there's now the worries of Boston or Montreal kind of catching up and creeping up there. But if they play their game and just win win some win some games, win the win the one win the key games, you know, in the next game against Boston, whenever the, I don't know when that is, but you no, know, the next time they play Montreal, when they start playing teams like the Islanders and and Carolina, they're almost done New with Jersey. Montreal. Yeah, they're almost done with Montreal too. But they haven't even played teams like the Islanders, Carolina, New Jersey. They haven't played those teams yet. And as of right now, those are teams that are out, and those are teams that you should be better than. Exactly. And look, my thing with uh, that Florida game, by the way, there's two takeaways I have from it. One, the Panthers are such a strange boogeyman. How is Florida so good against Buffalo? Never understanding this. They swept them last year. They've got six straight on them now. Well, I mean, Sabres got swept a lot, a lot last year. But still, it's Florida. The Sabres at least got wins over Boston, and they beat Toronto last year. Like it's just, just tell just the it's hockey a, season, man. Like as a matter of fact, heading into their last game with the Panthers, they were two seven and one in their last ten with Florida. Some, I and Florida's it's, not good. It's not. It's first of all, I think Florida's better than what people think. I just. This year, yes, but but it's just you want to talk about overall the series with Florida, but that that that's hockey. I know, but it doesn't. It's just it. It's like it. They no, we're calling them the 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 other, the next Atlanta Thrashers for Buffalo. Like they could never beat Atlanta, and I'll never understand why. Wasn't good. It's just that things happen. Anyway, the other thing it's not. It's I just think it's not something you can really explain that thoroughly. 
that's why it's puzzling. That's why I don't get it. And it's just something you're just not going to get. Anyway, the other thing is, the big, the bigger takeaway from it is we, they've got him again in almost two weeks. And everyone's like, First is there going to be a revenge? Yeah. And a lot of people are going to say, is this a Keith Yandel revenge game? Revenge for what? Yeah, revenge for what? He threw down Jeff Skinner for what was an adequately called roughing penalty. Yeah. And your biggest revenge could have been scoring on the power play on that. Yeah. Did Yano also apologize for it? Yes. And he threw no he threw no punches. He didn't yeah. go over like he wanted to send a message that he didn't like what happened to Barkov. Yeah. But then he realized at the end of the day, okay, maybe I was the jerk over here. He also and yet, he also this, realized that it wasn't as bad as what he thought originally thought it was. And again, that's why he apologizes after the game. Yeah. But even in the moment, he didn't go over the line. Yeah. He got a roughing penalty for roughing. Yeah. For throwing a man down. If he threw a punch, it's different. Then you're over the line. Yeah. Then someone needs to go after you. He didn't. He didn't do anything of the sort. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, there'll probably be some sort of pregame conversation between the two of them during warmups. Everything will be cool and whatever. We'll get back to hockey. Yeah. So to call someone soft for not wanting that sort of thing, first off, blow it out your tailpipe. Second, it's not the same game as it was in the 80s, okay? Have to understand that. And what Keith Yandel did was rather tame. Yeah, it really was. He didn't sucker punch anyone. He figured out very quickly that Skinner was turtling and that he didn't want any part of it. So he didn't give him anything extra. Yeah. So there you go. It's done. It's over. It's over. Forget about it. Move on. The fans will boo, and I don't blame them for doing that. It's fine. You know, like, they don't forget things. Jimmy Vesey still gets booed. <laughs> and he did nothing wrong. <laughs> it's kind of hard to boo a goaltender, but I'm sure Cal Peterson got it with the Kings game. I think he did. Oh, yeah, I'd imagine he did. Pretty sure he did. But... But they don't have the puck all the time, so I was wondering how tricky that was. Anytime you made a save. I guess. But still, the uh there's nothing there's nothing there for Keith Yandel. There should be nothing waiting for him. Everyone's like, why why didn't anyone do anything right away? Okay, the two closest skaters to him were Rasmus Dallin and Casey Middlestad. Do yeah, I want them no. thro- do I want them throwing hands with someone like Keith Yandel who's a veteran of this league and has gotten into a dime? Do I want them two? throwing hands in general? No. No. One's eighteen. The other's nineteen. Almost twenty. Neither of them are twenty. Yeah. Neither of them even have an eighty two combined games. Keith Yandel has played in several seasons worth of eighty two games. Mm-hmm. So no. Relax. Go back to your boys club with your old time hockey, and you don't need to watch this then if that's the case, if you're going to get so pissy about it. But the Sabres have a chance to make some make some ground up if they can keep things going throughout the weekend. Are you, are you going to have a bad game every now and then? Yes. Hell, Toronto had it happen to him last week. 
same Panthers team that took Buffalo to the woodshed in the third period. Well, hmm. they uh, went to Toronto and bad things happened there for them. Mm-hmm. Bad games happen. It's what it is. And as a matter of fact, for it's the hockey. Sabres, it was a terrible start to the third period in general. That's it. It yeah. was a six-minute stretch. I think that the Sabres have a chance to still be one of the favorites to make the playoffs at this point based on what they've done and what they can do. Oh, yeah. We're almost at the halfway point. Do you still need secondary scoring? Absolutely. You got to start questioning if uh, now with Patrick Berglund clearing waivers, Mm -hmm. what do you do with that money? Because you could still use a shot in the arm. But it's not like they're getting nothing from the team. They're getting help from the blue line, getting some goals from Ristolainen and Dahlin in particular. I think that they have a chance to keep things going because they've shown that they can. All right, Frank. We talked a lot of hockey on the Monday pod. We did. We didn't touch much on the Bills. The game against the Lions. And I don't really need to talk much about getting kicked back down the stairs by the Patriots for Christmas because that just happens every year. So I'll just go on and say how impressed I was with him in Detroit against Detroit. The Lions said, we're keeping you in the pocket. And Josh Allen said, okay, uh, I'm game. He He still ends up with a 50% completion percentage. And it's almost looking like that might be a misnomer of his play at this point. If... Allen is going to be able to, on an, on a day where he's locked into the pocket, beat mm-hmm. you with his arm? Cool. I'm down with that. There were some critical drops in that game. I seem like I'm saying that every week. <laughs> but the Bills might have found something more than just Josh Allen and his play from the pocket. They might have found a receiver. Robert Foster has had his third 100-yard game of the year. The Bills had none of those last year, I don't think. Uh, Dante Thompson had one. One. Just one. Just one. Just one. Foster did it three times now already. The undrafted rookie. Yeah. So maybe the, maybe the Bills don't need to go and get a speed guy for a number one wide receiver. If they have Foster, and Foster's kind of showing that he's more than just that, he's getting catches now on, you know, basic routes, your hitch routes, everything of the sort, crossing routes. He still makes that big play for you every, it seems like every week. He's still making that big play. That helps flip the field for you or get you a touchdown. But you're seeing a a player there that you might have something there in Robert Foster. And he's definitely going to be in contention, I think, for the number two or number three spot next year. He and Zay Jones might be participating for, okay, who's going to be the two? Who's going to be in the slot? Who's going to fit better in what? And the Bills are just going to need to focus on getting a guy on the outside as well. But that means that this team kind of corrected something in their philosophy. They had a bunch of bigger receivers with catch radius and not a lot of separation to start the season. Now they get some speed guys and... The offense looks competent. 
Yeah. It's almost like they kind of changed their philosophy. It's almost like when you add speed, guys can get to where where they need where they need to get quicker, and Allen can get the ball out quicker before the offensive line kind of uh, collapses in on him. Yeah, if we can get him on offensive line, that would be great. Um, it kind of makes – it's making revamping the offensive line more and more important in the offseason and more and more apparent that that's, the, that's what they're going to do. But the bigger thing is this. You notice something, though. The Panthers organization, when Bean was there and McDermott was there, they had receivers like Calvin Benjamin, Devin Funches. Mm -hmm. They had Ted Ginn, but that was your only speed guy. Yeah. Obviously, Greg Olson. Greg Olson. Well, yeah, yeah, but that's that's, a, a that's just a talented tight end. Yeah. <laughs> but he, th those guys come here, and they get rid of Sammy Watkins. They mm -hmm. get rid of Marquise Goodwin. Robert Woods. They let well. They let Robert Goodwin. Woods, in, they like, let oh, Goodwin yeah. and Woods. Yeah. Walk. Go in free agency. They let them walk. Yeah. They bring in Calvin Benjamin. They mm -hmm. bring in Andre Holmes. They yeah. bring in these bigger guys, almost like they wanted to repeat the philosophy in Carolina. Oh, yeah. And again, seeing them move to speed on the offense at the wide receiver position, you see how much better the offense has gotten as a whole. So, again, it makes it – look like to me that they've recognized that there was a flaw in one of their philosophies on offense and they've moved to fix it you can still get one of those bigger guys now for your next for your next season sure it's just going to be a question of what say it's a talented rookie like uh dk metcalf say you take him in the first round he's got some size he's got a decent speed combination with it but he's a guy that can go up and get it for you mm-hmm but then you have Robert Foster and Zay Jones hanging out there at the two and three. That's suddenly a little bit better than what you were looking at last year, which is kind of wacky because I thought that Calvin Benjamin would have been a decent addition throughout all of this, but then he stopped trying. I think that Josh Allen, though, is looking more and more competent each week. I think he took a step back from the Dolphins game to the Jets game. I thought that was a step back, but then he stepped up again and probably delivered his one of the better days from the pocket in particular, not just like an overall game, but I think that, you know, I still think the Dolphins game was his best performance. Yeah. But I also think that the Lions game was one of his best from the pocket, and yet he's still at a 50 completion percentage. Yeah. It is a way to measure the accuracy of a quarterback, but it also can measure it's the problems the around the team. Yeah. It's not the end all. It could be a little bit of a misnomer. It could be misleading. And you're seeing it now. Yep. The Bills offense looked better than ever from this year. And yet your quarterback is still rocking terrible completion percentage. But is it working? Yes, and here's why. Allen is doing something on a consistent basis since he's returned to the lineup, Frank, and it's this. He's making the plays in timely fashion, too. You need to hit a critical third down to keep a drive alive? He's got you. Third and 12, third and 17, I've seen him make these completions, and I'm going, okay. Some rookies, A, don't even get the chance because their conservative coach goes ahead and calls a draw play, but B, he's hitting these things on darts, which is super. 
He's making big plays at big moments. The completion to Jason Kroom, he puts touch on it underneath. Kroom can come up with the catch, and that seals the game effectively. It keeps the drive going, and it makes sure that the Lions don't even get the football back. They were going to throw it on that third and seven when Allen got him on the hard count. Yeah. They're trusting him. They're letting him learn these experiences now, which is good for the coaching staff to allow him to do that. If we were the Jets, for example, Sam Darnold might not have gotten that opportunity. Todd Bowles probably runs I formation, not even an empty set. <laughs> you know you're right. And he gives a draw play. Yeah. Or a handoff. I mean, we saw the Jets have terrible play calling in that Bills game, too. So I'm happy to see that the coaching staff overall with Dable and McDermott in another sense there offensively are giving Allen a chance to really learn things. There are opportunities that you're not really going to get very often, and you need to be able to practice that. Like having the lead in the four-minute offense. Mm -hmm. Letting him try to uh, be the one to help seal the game for him. That's what a big-time quarterback does. not saying Allen's a big-time quarterback, but that's a damn lesson that you need to learn. Yep. Figure it out. The Packers on third and seven. Oh, that's a bad example. McCarthy was kind of a boob. Uh, (laughs) Shock. But again, your big-name quarterbacks, that's my point here, is that Drew Brees with the Saints or Carson Wentz last year were healthier, you know, with the Eagles. Deshaun Watson with the Texans. Tom Brady with the Patriots. Are they going ahead and giving the ball to a running back on third and seven when you're up and you need to seal the game? No. No. They're putting the ball in the hands of the quarterback, the franchise guy, and they're saying, we're paying you this money. Yeah. You know what to do. Go do it. Yeah. And Allen is learning that sort of thing. He's going to be relied on by this team to win a game. And there was another chance at it. I mean, you saw Allen almost stage a comeback against Miami. Mm Mm-hmm. So close at that, too. But what did he do, though, in like a minute worth of time? Get them to within striking distance. Yeah. Then, of course, penalties and and shoddy offensive line play kind of doomed them there, but that's kind of a theme for the year. But it's good to see that they're actually giving. Allen the chance to learn those situations or to go through those situations so that he could be coached up on what he did wrong, what he did right. Mm-hmm. I think that there's there's a good dynamic there. You're I don't seeing- I don't understand how people didn't want Brian Dable to be here anymore after this year. Keep him around. What are you losing in this? Answer nothing. You yeah. get continuity. You get a guy who has kind of impressed me as a whole, as an offensive coordinator, with a whole lot of nothing to work with. 
they give him some speed pieces and he's gotten more creative in there. And you're seeing a lot of the concepts that Dable is capable of employing. And you know, you're now it it's looking like you're seeing progress out of your rookie quarterback too, who you gave up a lot to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another big thing about this is that you gave up a lot to get there. And you want him to be your guy. guy. Yeah. And what do you do with that? You give him moments where he can try to be the guy. Yeah. Message received. Yeah. They're giving him chances to make things happen, and I'm very happy that this coaching staff does that. Is it because they're also out of the playoff race? Maybe. But... large reason for why they were out of the playoff race at this point also can be tuned to not having him in the lineup. Mm -hmm. Anderson and Peterman were terrible in his absence. Yeah. Matt Barkley game aside, the Bills' wins were with Josh Allen. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. The Bills' best offensive performances, Matt Barkley game aside again, have been with Josh Allen. That Barkley game is such an anomaly. It really is. And if I hear anyone say that they should start Matt Barkley, I'm going to just punch them in the throat so that they can't talk anymore. That's mean, <laughs> but I don't care. Or I might punch my ears so I don't have to hear the take anymore. How's that? There you go. I like it. Fine. I won't I won't put violence upon others. I'll just do it to myself instead. Yeah. Punch my ears until they bleed and then I can't work in radio anymore. <laughs> Perfect. Nailed it. Works for me. That's how bad of a take it is. Yeah. But it's not like Allen's been doing a bad job. It's not like he got mercy pulled like Josh Rosen. That man got mercy pulled. Yeah, he did. That team was getting its butt kicked and they were like, "All right, kid, we got to just get you out of there. You're getting you're getting beat up." Like, we know the Bills' offensive line is bad. The Cardinals have it worse. That might have been the worst situation to go to. And nobody saw it coming. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, at the end of the day, when you look when you really look at it, it's no surprise the Cardinals traded up for a quarterback in general. They needed a, a franchise guy. But they put themselves in a similar situation as the Bills in that they didn't, in le- but in a it's similar it's similar but worse, that they didn't do anything to help the rookie. They they were trying to shelter him at first. Yeah, because they did they signed not one but two quarterbacks yeah. in free agency. The problem was they were Sam Bradford and Mike Glennon. The other problem is. Mm-hmm. That Mike Glennon looked so bad in preseason that Rosen beat him out easily. And yep. then Bradford was a flop. Yeah. They waved him a quarter of the season through. He, he didn't even get hurt. He got waved. He got waved from that big free. They gave him money, too. Yeah. And like- Bradford put on a Nathan Peterman impression. Is part of that because of how bad Bradford was? Yes, but is part of it also because Arizona gave no help to anyone ever? Also, yes. Absolutely. 
The Cardinals might ruin Josh Rosen. Maybe Rosen might not be good. We they don't do know that. Cry. But they do all cry. They might have ruined. They might ruin him. The way that they're going about it. I hope not. The thing is, is that things did not go according to plan. Yeah. Why did Josh Allen look so bad starting out? Because it didn't go according to plan. Yeah. The plan was to sit him and let him learn. But Peterman was so terrible that they Tom savaged it and they threw him in. <laughs> and he was very shaky to start out because he wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. He needed time off the field, and that injury was a little bit of a blessing in disguise for him. Sam Darnold with the Jets has been up and down, but he's had good games as well. But that was their plan. Yeah. Yeah, that was their plan, and they stuck to it. Baker Mayfield did not start the season for the Browns. Nope. Was he put in because of injury? Yes, which, of course, that never is a plan. But you knew that the number one overall pick was going to get in eventually this season. Yeah. That was the plan. When? No idea. But eventually it was going to happen. Because everyone knew eventually Hugh Jackson was going to get fired. And that the new coach would have shoved Baker Mayfield in there anyway. It happened in a different order. Taylor got hurt. (laughs) Mayfield comes in. Wins Cleveland's first game in over a year. (laughs) Yeah. And manages to give Hugh a whole three wins in his career. They're 4-1 and their last five games. Yeah. And then Greg Williams already surpasses his win totals. I know, right? In Cleveland. With the same team. Yeah. Kind of pathetic how bad of a coach Hugh Jackson was there. Mm -hmm. Because he showed a lot of promise in Oakland. Dude went 8-8 eight and eight with Jason Campbell as a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, he did. And what happens uh, after that? Just garbage. Uh, that's typically what happens when you join, when you join Cleveland. No, no, because you just said it. They're 4-1. That's totally all on Hugh. That is totally all on Hugh Jackson. You cannot tell me otherwise at this well, point. Well, what about beforehand? He has made coach- – I'm talking about the last two seasons. No, I know, but he's making – Guys like Chudzinski and Romeo Cornell and Eric Mangini look like freaking geniuses. That's how bad of a coach Hugh Jackson was. Because they managed to win more than three games in their entire Browns career. Well, except for Chud. He got fired after one year of terrible Brownsing. <laughs> but my point remains, Hugh Jackson might be the worst coach of all time. Oof, that, maybe. The fact that he got an extra chance was pathetic. Yeah. Maybe that's that's parts more on the management. Yep. I don't know why John Dorsey gave him another chance. But then again, now you got to find a coach that likes Baker Mayfield, and well, the way he's played, yeah, that's not going to be a hard thing to do. No, no. But, yeah, a lot of these rookie quarterbacks, and that's the point that we were getting on about (laughs) all this. I mean, Lamar Jackson, he's He's just getting in, and and he's taking it. He's He's taking it. He took that starting job. He's taking it, but at the same time, you're not seeing the 
firepower. Yeah. And I mean that, uh, that's attributed wise. to and that's attributed to being a rookie and They were probably planning on sitting him the whole season. Oh yeah, absolutely. And letting Flacco just Flacco his way out. Yeah. So there you go. Even though even though Lamar hasn't been all that great, he's, he's been, been solid. good. He's been good. He hasn't been fantastic. He's been helping them win. But he, yeah, he's been winning. He's Which been is one way them. to keep yourself in the lineup. Yep. Against a veteran quarterback. I think that attributes to how just how bad Joe Flacco's been. How mediocre he really is. Yeah. He's doing enough. But yeah, that's why Josh Allen looked bad to start. That's why Josh Rosen has looked bad. It's because they weren't put in there according to plan. Yeah. We're seeing the progress from Josh Allen in what is somehow a better situation than what has been there for Rosen in Arizona. Would I have ever believed it? No. But now you get to see what these guys are going to be capable of going forward. It's an interesting class. We're always going to keep tabs on it. Oh, yeah. It's going to be like this for probably the next... 10, 15 years. The last eight first-round quarterbacks, pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Overall, yeah. Trubisky? It's been all right. The one that's lagging, fine. The one that's lagging behind Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes. Yeah. But Mitchell Trubisky is a solid prospect right now. The only crime is that he was the first one taken. Yeah. Mayfield, Darnold, Allen... Rosen Jackson. All of them should be an interesting group mm-hmm. collectively. We'll see what happens. Then even bef- and then even look at go back previous year after before uh Shubitsky, Mahomes, Watson, you got Goff and Wentz. There is already a flamed out bust though in that class. Yeah. With Paxton Lynch. <laughs> There's one, yeah. Like you already got one of those. Yeah. That's just, Within two years' worth of time. Yeah. Good work, Paxton Lynch. You are not that terrible. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, it's an interesting youth movement there that's going on. But, hey, you could have, uh, you could just like a guy who ended up being, as you quoted, the most pro-ready quarterback in a, cla- in a draft class la- two years ago, and he's uh, on your practice squad now. Yeah. <laughs> Think about something, Frank. The Bills going into the season had Josh Allen, A.J. McCarron, and Nathan Peterman yeah. as their quarterback competition. A lot of people said that's the worst quarterback room in the entire NFL. One man has decided, four months later, I'll take two of them and not the promising young one because I'm never going to get that. McCarron and Peterman are now both on John Gruden's team. Think about that again for a second. One of the worst quarterback rooms entering the season, according to many, many people and many analysts, the two that weren't going to be the starter long-term are now with John Gruden. Every time I think about it, I laugh. How dumb is this man? Very. Or is he just going full tank? Like, not the Peterman Peterman signing doesn't really affect anything. It doesn't really affect it because he's on the practice squad. But 
it's so I like this internet show that Bleach Report puts out during the football season called Gridiron Heights. Ah, uh, yes. They did an episode about the Raiders for this this season, and it was it was titled "John Gruden Goes Back to 2002," and it's all about him going in a time machine, going back to 2002 when that was the best time for football, according to him. Pretty much, and then he he's stuck there; he can't get out. Well. That's where his mind's at. Raiders fans kind of hope that he was actually shoved into 2002 and actually had to stay there. Yeah. Because here is the biggest thing that happened with John Gruden. The worst thing that happened when John Gruden joined the Oakland Raiders was this. It was not the Khalil Mack trade. It was not getting rid of Amari Cooper. It's not torpedoing the Oakland Raiders. The worst thing about John Gruden going to Oakland is that Monday Night Football is unwatchable. <laughs> or unlistenable. Oof. He made Monday. He killed Monday Night Football by leaving. And don't get me wrong, I hated hearing, well, let me tell you what I like about this guy. Every guy. He liked that guy. Yeah. Except for Clue Mack, apparently. Bam. Uh, and Amari Cooper. Well, I mean, they got a first-round pick out of that, and I was a little shocked. Yeah, that's true too. Well, that really seems that really has worked out for Dallas. But they also, but John Gruden also did not just kill the Oakland Raiders; he killed Monday Night Football. John Gruden, you are the worst thing that has happened to football in recent memory, and that's saying a lot of things because there's been a lot of that. The Patriots constantly winning is one of the worst things. Is that Gruden's fault for killing Monday Night Football? Yes, I'm blaming him. How? Because he left. Yeah, but you, yeah, but isn't it isn't it ESPN's fault for a play? I mean, Jason Witten hasn't been good. It hasn't been good. But so isn't that ESPN's fault for not filling his role right? Yes and no. I'm blaming Gruden. I mean, you could blame Gruden. It's fine. It's he, Gruden, Frank. Let me have Gruden, my narrative. Damn I, it. Blaming Gruden's easy, and it's fun. Thank you for my it's point. Fun. It's I fun like, to make fun I, of John Gruden. Let me keep fun. doing. Quit using logic but to get I in the way of my also, joke. But in that, I also... I'm making a jokey joke. I'm saying Shut it, up, Frank. All right. That's, <laughs> I'm trying to make a funny, and here you are throwing logic in my face. Make fun of ESPN as well. Look, Jason that's what I'm is saying. terrible, and everyone has recognized that, and they were trying to get the next Tony Romo, and the problem is you can't just get a Tony Romo. I'm just saying make fun of ESPN as well. Which is funny, because that's the second time you can actually say that about Tony Romo. Yeah. Dallas wasted that man. Yeah. But again, it's technically Gruden's fault too. ESPN wouldn't have made a panicked hire. Yeah, that's true. And come up with the booger mobile <laughs> if John Gruden was still there. Booger mobile. They are going to put a stick of TNT to that at the end of the season, by the way. I'll be honest, I don't think I besides barely watching the Bills Patriots Monday night game. We were playing hockey during that. Yeah. Anyway. I remember this. I was not with you guys and I was super salty. Can you still oh, tell that right. I am salty about this? That's right. That's yep, that's right. But I don't think I've watched a Monday night game this year. I watched it in like in, I may have in conjunction brief. of like Sabres games. Yeah, I think like I may have watched it 
a couple games, not fully. I haven't heard it. But I haven't heard it, too. I don't think I've heard commentary this year. So, like, when people are all talking about how bad it, how bad it is, I'm just like, I haven't heard it, so I can't say anything. I can say something because had, I had to work the Bills-Patriots game, and I had to listen to the game. Yeah. And it's easier to listen to the game at work without our feed. Okay. So we just have a bunch of TVs on in the newsroom. Oh, yeah. And that's how we watch the game. Oh, yeah. My big thing is this. They're terrible, and it's John Gruden's fault. John Gruden, you suck. He's still terrible. So stop using logic to get in my way of making a funny. Just make fun of ESPN as well. Yes, but I'm going to make fun of you for trying to make fun of the wrong thing here. We're making fun of Gruden. Pile on. That's the point. Fine. He torched a Raiders team that was a Super Bowl contender two years ago. Scorched earth it. If they get rid of Derek Carr, I'm just going to... Not that Derek Carr's been necessarily good, but... He didn't deserve this. He didn't deserve this. Because two years ago, he was looking like one of the promising young quarterbacks in football. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. UB takes down Syracuse. Poor first half. Beat them by double digits. Are you kidding me? Just how good is UB? And what round should I expect them to get to? They've got Marquette. And if they go unbeaten there, Frank, we might be talking about the chances of, can you be pull off an undefeated season again we're talking about this sort of thing uh, with UB if they beat Marquette can anything really get in their way and do they have a guaranteed at large bid at this point because say something goes wrong in the conference tournament I think if they they're gonna win their division that's apparent. I feel like they'll take the regular season yeah. conference, of course. But the only real team that stands in their way is Toledo. Toledo's eleven and one. But UB's eleven and zero. Yeah. But again But but I don't think UB's gonna finish undefeated. They're they are they they are playing like the best team in the Mac, and I absolutely believe that. It's not even just that they're the, gonna lose. They're gonna lose a game somewhere. It's good. It's good. They. That's how sports it's, goes. It's by just the pure logic of probability. They're gonna lose maybe once or twice. I think if they, at very worst, lose in the MAC semifinals, I think they'll they'll still get in at large. Yeah, like I think if they beat Marquette. And they sweep their non-conference, that included Syracuse, West Virginia, and Mar- and Marquette. I feel like they'll have that at large stashed away for a rainy day. It's like a one-up. They've just got it. Like if they sweep the non-conference, they have an they extra have, life in their pocket, and they can pull it out they if they if two, they end up losing a life out in the MAC 
They have two games left in non-conference. Just two. Yeah. Marquette and Canisius. That should be interesting. But Canisius is also not good. So they'll win that big game. Four, uh, don't say that because Big Four basketball tends to be a bit of a cluster. Yeah. The teams do. The way UB's playing, though. Yes, but the teams do show up. Oh, yeah, I know. I believe it. Yes. I yes, would UB ended up taking. Game. I would imagine that when UB and Canisius meet on December 29th, so next week, that the game's going to be close. But UB, I think UB pulls away. UB probably pull pulls away, away because like the, like they did with Bonaventure. Exactly. That team is scary. And you said that they're the, they're playing like the best team in the MAC. Frank, they're playing like one of the best teams in the country. Because again, yeah. their non-conference schedule included West Virginia, Syracuse, and Marquette. Yeah. And a solidly impressive Southern Illinois team. They're, they're going to pocket themselves an at-large bid in case of a rainy day and a bad game happens in the MAC championship. It'll happen. It could happen. Though, well, I I'm saying be, at least in the regular season. Yeah. Well, I'm saying like just like in like, you know, just like a rainy day sort of thing for like if they lose their conference tournament, which usually is how a mid-major gets into the tournament. Yes. UB's playing well enough outside of it. And has quality wins already on their schedule. Mm-hmm. That I don't think they need to win their conference championship anymore to make the tourney. They don't need to. Because of how they beat West Virginia. Coming back and needing overtime to get them down. How they beat Syracuse. Losing at halftime and storming back and not only coming back to beat them, but beating them by double digits. And if they beat Marquette, what are the expectations we have to put on this team? What should we want them to at least get to? I'm not saying, yo, I'm picking them to go right to the Final Four, but dang it, Frank, I would love to see them get to the Elite Eight. I'd love for them to be that guy this year. I think... We saw the women's team be those girls last year. Yeah, that showed up to the Sweet Sixteen, and that was unexpected. And that was completely unexpected. I think, but now you can expect assume, the men's team to go. Hey, we're good, and let's we assume, could make the Elite Eight. Let's assume UB wins the MAC championship. Doesn't matter what the record is. Let's say the record. What is, kind of a seed would they get? As long as they stay, they'll stay, and they'll stay ranked. Like if they're in the if they top if they stay around where they are now for the rest of the year, there's a very good chance. Could they get like a six seed, seven seed? Yes, I would say so. If they stay in the top ten all year, Frank, they what have, do you do? Well, what do you top do? Fifteen. Well, again, if they beat Marquette after beating Syracuse, yeah, but my, you my, might my get yourself into. The, you might get I yourself think you in the top ten. Briefly be in that top ten, but once, but then once again, I don't think they're going to go undefeated. So if they're going to have a slip up, then they'll probably drop a little bit. I know, but they. So I say hover. A... I say if they hover around fourteen, the rest of the year, somewhere between like let's say maybe twelve and fifteen the rest of the year, then you're looking at a you're looking at the possibility of them at at you know if they at very the the most they could get. 
potentially could be a five or a six seed. And at very worst, probably an eight or a nine. And that all depends on uh, based on how they play throughout the rest of the regular season and in the in the uh, tournament, in the MAC tournament. Mm-hmm. But eight nines are always hard, though. It is. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, let's, let's be real. 15. Let's be real, though. The March Madness bracket's designed for teams to lose. Let's be real about that. But, but my my point, though, they they try to bury the mid majors. I understand. Yes, that. but. I think no matter what where they finish, I think the expectation is they can win the first round. They should get out of opening round, weekend. They should get out of the 64. But can they get out of the 32? They because should they, get out of the first weekend. I don't I can't say they should because they've never done it. But this is a team that is talented. And it this is. This is a team that it is. brought back everyone but one player Absolutely. from last year's team. Absolutely. Wes Clark was the only one that is not going to be here this time around. Absolutely. The other thing is, is this. We've seen them beat quality teams now. They hung with Kentucky in the second round. They Kentucky did. was probably the worst draw they could have got. That, I'm not disagreeing with, I'm not disagreeing with well, any they, of that. But they hung with that team. That's the big thing. Yeah. They hung with stupid, always recruiting one and dunners Kentucky. That team. I know. I know they hung with them. I expect them to get out of the opening weekend. I can't because I haven't seen they ha- because they haven't done it. And it us too, it still all depends on who they play. Duke every other year can't get out of the opening weekend. People expect them to. Because they're always in the top five. Because they're good. Yeah. Guess what UB is? They are good. They're good. They're not that good though. I expect them to get out of the if if you give the <laughs> If they get, for example, a seven a, or eight seed, if they if they draw a good match, if they can get good matchups, absolutely one hundred percent, they they can get out of the opening eight weekend. seed would probably be your most problematic, because yeah. eight nine means you're facing the one. Yeah. But if they stick around and they get themselves a seven, you're feeling pretty good. You're on the other side of the bracket. Yeah. But that means you would probably have to face the two. That wouldn't mean you have to face the two in the second round. Hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this now. Yeah, I gonna, I know that. I'm gonna that's... look at a bracket because I'm not sure that's the case. No, it is the case. It doesn't recede. Like I said, I'm not sure of it. I need to make sure of it. It goes. The bracket usually looks at it goes one sixteen eight nine four thirteen five twelve uh six ten. 314, 7, um, or 6-11, I think, then 7-10, and then 2-15. Let's see how accurate you nailed that. It's 6-11, 3-14, 7-10, I don't want to buy a bracket. What are you doing, phone? Let's look up last year's I'm doing that. Let's go to Wikipedia. I'm trying to. And then, but it stays that way throughout the tournament. That's why I say it's designed for teams to lose. Yeah, the two fifteen would get the seven ten. Yeah, exactly. you're right. If they could, for example, if we were talking, one of the highest things they could do is say they draw a six seed. Then you'd have to deal with possibly the three fourteen matchup. Yeah. 
three and fourteen has not generally been a very pleasant one for three seeds all that often. And if they really shot for the stars and got a five seed, for example, and I mean really shot for the stars. Yeah. That would mean you'd have to stay unbeaten and stay in the top ten all year. Mm-hmm. Therefore being one of the top ten teams in the entire country. Mm-hmm. And it still would be a stretch to give them a five seed because they're still a mid-major. You're dealing with 413. So, but every year things happen, Frank. That's the th- That's the main point about all this. Yeah. I could easily see them get stashed with like an 11 seed or something and taking on a six right away. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then still have to deal with 314. But they're that good, Frank, that I think they can get out of this. I think they can get out of what they're doing. UB is interesting. So we'll see what happens. All right. Since you said that we're not doing something here on Monday or that you're working, right? I mean, so here's so here's the thing. So what are we doing in the next podcast? So here's Am the I thing. wishing everyone Merry Christmas? Christmas? Yes. Here's so here's the thing. I work on Monday till six PM. All right, we can have this conversation actually afterward. We can. <laughs> Nobody needs to know the details on this. But I'm gonna do it just in case. And I, sh- I, I guess you should do it along with me. Yes. Um, thank you for listening to Leftovers Podcast. Always appreciate it. Um, this project has been something that's been on and off for us. And we got the green light from our program director, Alan mm-hmm. Davis, to do this every week. And it turned into twice a week. It did. And yes, maybe I should have and been doing this before Thanksgiving. This is technically giving thanks and everything. But... I'm grateful for the chance to be able to do these sorts of things. It's been a blast all the time. And it's a blast to be able to hear people say, hey, I listen to the podcast, you know, way to flip out about the Toronto thing or <laughs> things along those lines. I'm, ex- I'm excited for what 2019 can bring. All right, we're not at the new year yet. I know. We can do that part next week. I, I can't I can't be excited for the future. I can be excited for the future. I can see the future. I'm a time traveler. <laughs> <laughs> and there we are on a stupid shtick. Uh, all right. The biggest thing, though, with this, you were talking about, you know, with Alan Davis, our program director, giving us a green light about it. The biggest thing that he wanted to see us do with this sh- with this show was keep doing it every week. Keep it on the regular. Yeah. Don't make this a, you do this for a couple times and then you stop. Yeah. And we thank you for listening to it. We thank you for downloading it. We thank you for dealing with it. Um, Any way you want to go about it. But it's been a blast to keep doing it. We're obviously going to keep going on the schedule. Yep. If timeframes would work out, look for a third day possibly. Maybe. So that's for us to determine. Yeah. But for you, what you have to determine is if we're worth it, hit us up at Derek Kramer WGR. At Frank R. Curry. And that's spelled at 
A-R-C-U-R-Y. Yep. And Derek Kramer is just, it's with a K. There you go. You know, Kramer with a K. Please don't see it up. Speaking of C's, though, Krimbus. <laughs> Merry Krimbus to everyone. And happy holidays. Because I know yep. that, you know, not everyone celebrates that sort of thing. Um, I got a happy Hanukkah gift card. Neat. Yes. So I've got I've got a Jewish friend. It's okay. And that's that's cool. Yeah. Happy holidays, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. We'll be back before the new year. Duh. Oh yeah. Um, but if we're not in on Monday, those are our well wishes. If we are in on Monday, well, in case you don't hear Mondays by the time Christmas happens, well then Merry Christmas. Still. Happy holidays. Well wishes. Go Bills. Go Sabres. Go Bulls. Go more Bulls. And if you want to really bring us a Christmas present, Bills, please let the Patriots stumble this weekend. I know I'm telling a fantastic joke here to end it. Mm -hmm. But please let it happen. It's a great joke. Please let this happen. I dare you. No, the biggest Christmas present for me would be that old old man time finally slaps Brady to where he should be as a 40-year-old. There's only one legendary post-40 professional player, and it's Yarmir Yager. Yeah. That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. Brady, you cannot ruin the legacy of Yarmir Yager. Dude skates first-line minutes in Florida, puts up a 60-plus point season. Playing hockey where you get hit all the time, and you don't complain about it. So in the words of Rob Ray, suck on that.